2: Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And if you want to join the conversation tonight, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. And uh, the big news tonight is that Supreme Court justices in the state of Colorado, in the state Supreme Court, have put out a, an order, a decision, where they are removing and disqualifying um, former President Trump from appearing on the Colorado ballot. Uh, Trump says he's going to appeal this to the Supreme Court, and he should. And this is an interesting thing, right? What I'm going to say initially here is, yes, this is an affront on our republic, for sure. But I'm going to say relax. Tranquilo. Cogelo con, take it easy. Right? And I'm going to tell you why. I truly believe Trump will be on the Colorado ballot, punto y final, period, the end. The Colorado decision removing Trump from the ballot is so absurd that these justices stayed their own ruling until January 4th. And if Trump appeals all of this to the state Supreme Court or SCOTUS, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, which he's obviously going to do because he already said he's going to, His name will continue to appear on the ballot unless the Supreme Court of the United States rules otherwise, right? So yes, this is more election interference. These four judges just stole the voting rights of citizens uh, in Colorado and decided that these Americans in Colorado um, don't have a right to choose whether Trump is their, their vote or not, period. They just don't get that chance. And this tyranny is the real attack on our republic. Not Trump, not the insurrection, not any, anything else that they say. This is the real insurrection. It really is. Being held responsible for a crime, which they're calling insurrection, which he was never charged for and he was never convicted of. How about that, right? And then you go back and you look at the text of, of, this, um, of this ruling. And I got to zoom in here a little bit. I'm getting this off of Greg Price's Twitter, but it says here, but we stay our ruling until January 4th, 2024, the day before the secretary's deadline to uh, certify the content of the presidential primary ballot. If review sought in the Supreme Court before the stay expires, it shall remain in place and the secretary will continue to be required to include President Trump's name on the 2024 presidential primary ballot until the receipt of any order or mandate from the Supreme Court. So they said, look, we're going to say all of these things. However, we will not do anything if you complain, which he's going to do. And if so, then they're going to have to review it. And while they're reviewing it, his name will remain, remain there and this will be stayed the legal term for we're going to hold off on it. This is in the order. So this is pure theatrics. They were trying to give somebody a Christmas present. If, if, if I think about this a little too deeply, I would think they're giving Trump. They're actually giving Trump the gift, right? Because this is going to look like a huge win for him when it's all said and done. And we've discussed this on this program before, but I want you to hear the news report from MSNBC. Listen to this.
0: The Colorado Supreme Court um, ruling that Donald Trump has now been disqualified from being on the primary ballot for the GOP. Again, this breaking news out of Colorado. Donald Trump, as we know, um, is now was fighting to be able to be on that primary ballot. The uh, Colorado Supreme Court now issuing a 200-something page opinion that we've just got. And we're going to go back to Christy Christy Greenberg and Hugo Lowell. I know, guys, you haven't had a chance to look at it. We're looking at it right now. It's 217 pages.
2: They they were overstaying their welcome, these people. Anyway, bottom line here is we've discussed it on this program before that this amendment does not pertain to the office of the presidency, which is why all these uh, other states have passed on similar cases that were brought uh, on the same, you know, on the same nonsense, the 14th Amendment, yada, 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 and, and they've dismissed them. Because these radicals in Colorado, however, they couldn't resist. I mean, and this is, this is a national embarrassment, an international embarrassment. Right, you got the president of El Salvador, Nayib Bukele. He's uh, taken to Twitter to criticize the United States and the Biden administration for allowing this unprecedented move to have your own opponent removed from a ballot without being convicted of any crime. You've got uh, United States Senator Tom Tillis saying that, um they're not putting any more funding into into these states and into the coffers of anybody, just playing politics with the Fourteenth Amendment. Vivek Ramaswamy, he's out there saying that um he's out of the Colorado ballot as well. He's not gonna be a part of it. And he called on Haley and DeSantis to do the same. DeSantis put out a tweet uh saying that he didn't like what they were doing to a particular candidate. Uh, I think as of as of right now, Haley uh have not seen a response from her as of yet. And if they don't pull out, that they're endorsing or tacitly endorsing this tyranny. I think Ramaswamy's onto something. Now, we have a little bit of reaction from President Trump. And as you can imagine, he's not happy, but I'm sure optimistic. Listen to this.
3: It's no wonder crooked Joe Biden and the far left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are willing to violate the US constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. So there you
2: go. Uh, Trump definitely uh, calling them out, doing what he's got to do, saying what he's got to say, fighting the fight. All right. I mean, nobody's fighting a fight like Trump is fighting a fight. Everybody else is running their campaign for president and they're they're running against Trump. Right. The Republicans in the primary, they're running against Trump. Trump is trying to run for president. And he's got to run against the entire deep state. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. But the Colorado Supreme Court made this move because of a case that was brought um, by these um, Soros backed legal groups. And they're all over the place. We heard about one last night, the way they went after uh, Brandon Struck. We're seeing this one now. Where the, they were going after uh, Trump to get him kicked off the ballot and and this could just be to make their donors happy to say, "Hey, look, we won before we lost but there's um this is stuff you got to keep your eye on right because' it's, it's just crazy these These nonprofits they're out there, and um, they're being funded by the Open Society Foundation, which is George Soros's large uh, organization, and they're trying to ban Trump from running for president. Uh, However they can, right? By crook or by by hook or by crook, as they say. Anyway, uh, one of the groups is called Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington or better known as CREW, C-R-E-W. And um, another one called Free Speech for People. And these groups are seeking to use the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution to stop Trump from making a second run at the White House. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Insteading the... Instead of, um, excuse me, of letting you, me and everybody else in America, we the people, making their decision out of ballot box. We've already discussed that this 14th Amendment um, clause here, this doesn't apply. It just doesn't apply to the office of the presidency. What more we have to do? I don't know. But it's clear these guys are coming after Trump And whether it's the deep state, the deep state parading around as legal organizations funded by Soros, the deep state parading around as the CIA or anybody else, it's still the deep state, the administrative state, the establishment, right? This uh, permanent underbelly of Washington, whatever you want to call it. They're there and they don't like El Trumpito and they don't like him because he really represents we the people, in my opinion. So we're going to talk about the deep state. We're going to talk about the CIA and all the crazy stuff that they're up to. Uh, as well as the rest of our topics tonight. So I want you to stick around. 833-482-5337 is the phone number. 833-4-VALDEZ.
1: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. (laughs)
3: want to listen to you rich all the time
1: america at night with rich valdez
3: we allow this to stand we're giving away our country we're giving we if we haven't given away our country already please show some courage courage of independent thought
2: courage to stand up to these bullies that is um, Mayor Giuliani, America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani, uh, former attorney to President Trump, and giving his thoughts and his reaction to President Trump getting thrown off the ballot in Colorado by the Colorado State Supreme Court, saying even though he hasn't been convicted of a crime, even though he's never been even charged with the crime of insurrection, they're going to decide that they're going to remove him from this uh, ballot, uh, the primary ballot, and if he appeals and makes a a complaint to the Supreme court, then they will stay their ruling and leave him on the ballot. I mean, the whole thing is pure politics and it's designed um, in my opinion, just to grab some headlines and to try to slow things down so that they can have a news cycle going into Christmas or into the new year where they can say, Oh look, you know, but Trump was thrown off the ballot and maybe to inspire other jurisdictions, other States to say, all right, we're going to do the same. But overall, this is something we've seen happen time and time again. And I think Giuliani's right when he says we have to stand up. And there's a lot of people that stand up. Some of them are very brave. They come from all walks of life. Whistleblowers, right? They blow the whistle on things. And one such whistleblower is Pedro Israel Horta. Now, Pedro is a Miami-born uh, son of Cuban exiles. He, they fled the tyranny of Castro's communism. And he's an 18-year veteran of the CIA with service in Iraq, Afghanistan, and in the office of the uh, inspector general for the intelligence community. And he's learned a lot, right? He's learned a lot. He's gotten a lot of um, experience over the years. And he's put together a story. And in his story, he tells how the intelligence community and whistleblowers from within this community— The entire process of being a whistleblower was perverted just to target a sitting president. So the way they're targeting him now, getting him off the ballot in Colorado, they did when he was in office as a sitting president and making um, actual whistleblowers, making their job very, very difficult because they would be met with torture and and abandonment. It It was just horrible. And we've heard this time and again from whistleblowers from the FBI and from all over the place. So we're, we're going to get into that. Um, Pedro's book is called The Broken Whistle, A Deep State Run Amok. And it's a memoir of a CIA whistleblower named Pedro Israel Orta. Pedro, welcome to the program, sir.
4: Thank you, Rich, for having me on this evening. God bless you. It's a pleasure and honor. God bless an honor. you, brother.
2: Thank you. Likewise. So I want to get into this because I think, you know, you, you, you're able to do this um, very meticulously uh, based on the experience that you have. And- you you have your own story and there's a lot of, of of, um, I think, color commentary that you can add both to this story and so many stories like we're seeing, even like today with Colorado, it's really nothing new, right? This seems that there's a, a radical left element within the media, within the government, within the judiciary, within so many elements of our society that will do whatever they have to do to achieve the end that they're looking for. Do you think that's a fair statement? That is a fair statement.
4: And there is another issue here at play that mm-hmm. I actually get to in my book, in my epilogue, and it's titled, who will speak for you when they come looking for you. And I use a hook, a quote by Sir Winston Churchill, the malice of the wicked was reinforced by the weakness of the virtuous. The biggest problem that we have is not wicked people running rampant, doing wicked things. We can expect that from them, but the dam, the wall, the ability to withstand and stop the onslaught of the wicked is failing because righteous people in positions of power are failing to act and do something about it. So consequently, Mm -hmm. the wicked become bolder and they're emboldened to launch more attacks against not just president Trump, but eventually all of us.
2: That issue. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say what, what makes you say that? And, and, you know, help walk us through it a little bit. Okay, in
4: my case, as a whistleblower for the CIA, I blew the whistle on um, substantial significant endangerment to public safety, gross mismanagement, and so forth in a war zone where our lives were put in danger. The whole system came against me to crush me for speaking out. And in this process, I had to go through various offices and many, uh, many opportunities were given to people to do the right thing, the Inspector General, the Equal Employment Opportunity Office, senators, representatives in in Congress, and even Director Pompeo and his number three, Brian Boulatau. And every time that I reached out to anyone to do something about my case, what I received was more retaliation and a lot of these so-called righteous people get nothing to help me. Now, how does this tie into what's going on Right at the big picture, the bigger level? Take a look at January 6th, six, six, uh, Vice President Pence. He finally had some sense, packed it up and went home and he's out of the campaign. He had an opportunity to do what was right, but yet he failed. So consequently, we've had, have had significant consequences for that lack of action. Similarly, the courts failed to come in and try to look into these substantial reports of fraud in the election of November 2020. At the same time, let's look at the states, House of Representatives and Senate chambers in the states. Some of them had what I call political theater, political grandstanding and political showmanship where they basically just got together. They had a big kumbaya session, a hearing And yeah, there was a problem, but they did nothing about it. Let's take the stage of the U.S. Congress, the U.S. Senate right now, Republicans are in charge of the Congress. And what are they doing? They continually have hearings. They continually have press briefings. They're talking about, oh, look at this. Look at that. This is going on. That is going on. But yet they just passed the National Defense Authorization Act in which they basically reauthorized the FISA 702 authorities which grants basically the FBI, the CIA, the intelligence community to continue to conduct basically signals intelligence that could capture American communication. And they could abuse those powers like they did with General Flynn when he was unmasked and he was targeted. So at the same time, while they do all this talking and all this showmanship and all this theater, they do absolutely nothing to stop. The wicked forces within the government, whether political appointees or career bureaucrats to abuse their powers to continue to target President Trump, President Trump supporters right. or anyone on the right or any conservatives or so forth.
2: Israel, I want to pause you right there real quick because we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back with Pedro Israel Orta. He's a CIA whistleblower, spent 18 years with the CIA, and he's got a brand new book, The Broken Whistle. Uh, A Deep State Run Amok. You can pre-order that uh, as soon as that's available. Folks, we're coming right back with Pedro and the rest of our conversation. Of course, if you want to join us, it's 833-482-5337, 833-4 valdez Don't go anywhere. It's Pedro Israel Orta and me, Rich Valdez.
3: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls,
5: how to refine your mental models, and how to think about
7: Rich Valdez, who, again, will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it.
1: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
7: All right, America,
2: welcome back, amigos. We're discussing this brand-new book. It's about to come out, The Broken Whistle, A Deep State Run Amok by Pedro Israel Orta. He's a um, uh, Miami-born uh, patriot that served 18 years in the CIA, had some service in Iraq and Afghanistan and in the office of the inspector general for the intelligence community. And he blew the whistle and had his own story of how difficult it was uh, to actually blow the whistle when he saw all these goings on that were wrong. And before the break, we left off with um, some of the things that he saw, in particular, the the way that they came after uh, former National Security Advisor, retired General Flynn, and and others in addition to how they came after Trump. Pedro Israel Orta, continue.
4: So here's where we're at. The most important element is the truth must be told. And that's how I be- begin the book with my prologue. And it comes from a quote from George Washington. Truth will ultimately prevail where there's pains to bring it to light. We're in a literal war against these wicked people who want to continue to do harm to our country, to our people, to anyone who believes what is right. And we must stand up and begin to hold our elected leaders accountable that they enforce the laws of the land and not allow these wicked people to run rampant. We've got to be able to elect people of integrity who are going to go into Congress and stand up and rather than talk do like matt gates did and managed to unseat the speaker of the house and now we have a new speaker with a fresh start although a lot must be done we must continue and we must press forward and that's why i wrote this book i wrote this book because in this book people can relate to me like just a regular human being i mean i come from very humble beginnings and Here I was, thrust into positions of power in the CIA, and there were decisions of life and death. And to do the wrong thing could be costly. Lives could be lost. To do the right thing meant to preserve our own lives and to preserve the lives of US citizens. Many of these intelligence failures like 9-11 and others could have been avoided if people would have spoken up and held their government accountable. And consequently, I I write this book along that train of thought is get people engaged, get people to see how our government has become basically a corrupt bureaucracy that seeks to defend itself first and foremost above the interest of the United States, the interest of the American people, the interests of the rule of law. And ultimately, if anyone dares to come against that bureaucracy, is like Andrew Hickover said, if you're ever gonna sin, sin against God, God will forgive, but don't sin against the bureaucracy because the bureaucracy will never forgive. They will always seek to defend their territory, their power, and anyone who becomes a threat to them has to be annihilated and destroyed. And that's what they're trying to do to Trump because they know Trump will come in and hold them accountable and will seek to abolish many of these government programs and these bureaucracies that are basically just abuses of government power just like we've seen recently in Argentina, the new president in Argentina, Miliu, came in, signed a decree, and he shut down, I believe it was 12 government departments, Uh, 21 only leaving nine. It's gonna be a staggered approach how they get there, but he's right on it. Government is good when it's managed well, it's supposed to serve the people the people are not there to serve the government and I'll turn that over to you there.
2: Oh, I agree with you 100% and I think it's it's critical that we never forget that lesson, right? It's important for us to know that. Uh, but I want to I want to really get a a sense of everything that that you've put into the book uh so that the listeners can understand it and what I guess walk us through your experience being a whistleblower and and some of um, the challenges that you faced when when you decided to say, I'm going to do the right thing. Right. You have identified that we we have a lack of people trying to do the right thing because of fear or pensions or paychecks or whatever. But when you do have someone that's come forward like yourself, like uh, Stuart Scheller, the lieutenant colonel who uh, criticized Biden's uh, Afghanistan withdrawal, and uh, and then they came after him big time. And I think that's why people don't do it. It has this chilling effect. But um, what's some of what you went through?
4: In my case, um, I had two rounds of whistleblowing, accidental whistleblowing. Uh, the, the first one was over some personnel matters where they basically just wanted to kick me out of the station. And apparently they favored another individual to replace me. So they they just made my life just a miserable existence. But I I had personal reasons why to remain there. Uh, Plus, it was flat out illegal. So I, I basically followed all internal procedures, like they say Snowden should have done. I went to the appropriate authorities, the IG, the EEO. And ultimately, it turns out that the EEO and the IG are just a bunch of bullies being there to preserve the bureaucracy. So they basically covered up some EEO matters, some abuses of power. And I got kicked out of a CIA station. I had to find another job. But in that process, the reason why I fought was because I had a fiance and a daughter on the way. And they literally separated me from my fiance and my daughter before she was born. And they made life a living hell for us for a few years until I was finally able to recuperate from that incident. And I find myself in the second round of whistleblowing, working in a war zone base as a deputy chief of base. Our priority was keep a personnel safe. Uh, at the same time, take care of a personnel, make sure there's no harassment. I find myself working for a chief of base, a lady, nice lady. I had nothing against a lady, I have nothing against women. And I make that very clear in my book. I come from a very strong woman-type family with grandmas, aunts, and so forth, but this lady was way out of her element. She really had no experience in a war zone. She had just come out of a Europe station, and uh, she couldn't handle the threats of rockets landing around us, the dirt, the noise, separation from the family. So she started basically adopting sons, some officers, one specific officer was maligned and ostracized. And that basically just snowballed and turned into an incident and they falsely accused him of drawing a weapon, which he didn't do. They were trying to kick him out of the station uh, or actually the base. And I stood up and spoke up for him. In addition to standing up and speaking for the threats to our personnel from her actions, where we were being sent out at night To go to yoga classes. Sent Mm. out. Go eat somewhere else. uh, Putting our lives in harm's way. And one of those instances, a rocket almost impacted over us. Yeah. And in that process, I got basically got sent home. uh, Into a barrage of bullying, unimaginable by every conceivable office at the CIA, human resources, EEO, the IGS, my own career component. Denied jobs left and right. It, it, there was just all kinds of cover up. EEO not helping me find documents, the IG basically not responding. One thing leads to another, and I literally have to run from the CIA and take shelter in uh, another government agency, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, working for the Office of Inspector General. In my time in that office, we do an evaluation to uh, evaluate how the IC, intelligence community elements, are doing in implementing whistleblower reprisal protections. And we find out that, although we've got pretty ink on paper, the reality is that they're not enforcing the standards, policies, and procedures. Whistleblowers are being retaliated against. There are no uh, real investigations conducted to give them a fair chance of having a reprisal substantiation So essentially, you're blowing the whistle. It's like going against an army of Goliaths. Right. It's going to destroy you. And that's what I encountered. And one thing led to another. I'm back at CIA. And before you get into that,
2: I want to just I wanted to circle back with a quick question because it was during your time um, when you were, I guess, in exile, right, where you were with the Inspector General uh, Office. And um, was that when you discovered Uh, what was going on with the whole political storm around the Ukraine whistleblower?
4: Uh, That ties into it.
2: All right. Well, I want to pick up on that when we come back from this break. Folks, we're on with Pedro Israel Orta. He's the author of the brand new book that you got to get a couple of copies of. Pre-order it. Uh, The Broken Whistle, A Deep State Run Amok. It's a memoir of CIA whistleblower Pedro Israel Orta. Don't go anywhere.
1: With
2: Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We continue our discussion on the new book, The Broken Whistle, A Deep State Run Amok. It's a memoir of CIA whistleblower Pedro Orta. And, Pedro, we left off with uh, when you were in exile from the CIA to the um, inspector general's office. And um, my question was, is that where you learned about the political fallout? from the Ukraine whistleblower, which uh, we notoriously remember, and you were about to tell us about it.
4: Yeah, it ties into it. As an IG officer, I was part of a team. We became subject matter experts on intelligence community whistleblowing. And that taught me what was, what wasn't, what is protected, what is not protected, and all the processes involved with not just blowing the whistle, but also of conducting reprisal investigations. Eventually, when I got back to CIA, I used the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act process to make my disclosures to the IG himself, at the ICIG, and those disclosures were supposed to go to Congress. When I followed up two, three weeks afterwards, I got no response. Months later, no response. Another month later, no response. Eventually, through my attorney, I found a way to get some disclosures to Congress and some congressional members expressed some interest, but I had no guarantee that my Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act disclosures made it to Congress. A year later, when I'm fired, I reach out to the new IG, Michael Atkinson, and the guidance I got was to follow another ICWPA, Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act disclosure. When I finally get around to filing them, they immediately respond to me, telling me I can no longer file them because I have no standing as an employee because I was fired. Fast forward to the Ukraine whistleblower. Ukraine whistleblower is more than likely someone who got the disclosures secondhand. That process that was given to me in a form said it had to be firsthand they would not process a hearsay complaint. So this means that they changed the process, specifically at the time that this whistleblower came forward. How convenient. Mm -hmm. It's very evident, very clear when you start looking at all the, 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 the indicators that, first of all, as the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel ruled, It was not an Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act disclosure. The individual had no standing because of two things. One, it was not related to any intelligence matter under the authorities of the DNI or the IG. And secondarily, this person was not disclosing anything that had to do with intelligence activities and funded through the intelligence process. It was had to do with foreign relations. So despite the Mm. fact that this person had no standing, all of a sudden you had this mayhem of not just Congress, but political pundits, the press, advocacy groups coming in defense of the IG and of this so-called whistleblower to push forward a disclosure that didn't even meet the statutory requirement of the law. Consequently, that's why I call it weaponized whistleblowing, because that's all it was. They weaponized the process to go after Trump. And the corollary to that, or the comparison is, you look at my case, and I actually talk about other cases in my book, John Reedy, uh, there's John Kiriakou, also uh, certain members that are not well known out there. Uh, Andrew Bakage is well known, given his role in the Ukraine whistleblower, but he actually was a CIA whistleblower as well. And he had a colleague named Jonathan Kaplan. All of us, including there's another one, Daniel P. Meyer, who was in charge of the whistleblowing office for the ICIG. All of us, we blew the whistle. We got no congressional help. We get terminated or fired. Clearances revoked. Left out in the dark. Nobody helps us. Uh, The press is really not interested in us. Not a single congressional member really stood up to help any of us. And one of them, John Kirikou, was prosecuted, uh, wrongly prosecuted, because DCIA Brennan ordered the DOJ and the FBI to basically prosecute him. And this is after the fact that the same DOJ had investigated the case of John Kirikou and determined he had done no wrong. But yet, years later, they reopened the case to go after him. So this so-called Ukraine whistleblower was not a real whistleblower. As uh, several have said, Trump himself called him a fake whistleblower. Former Attorney General Bukasi really came after the IG Atkinson and said he acted as a lone ranger. So at the end of the day, it was weaponized whistleblowing to target Trump. And yep. the real whistleblowers out there never receive any due diligence, any help whatsoever. We're basically treated like yesterday's trash, disposed of, and left on our own.
2: Pedro, let everybody know how they can get a copy of the book. Where do they go? The book will be out on 19 February of next year. But as of right now, it's
4: available for pre-ordering at Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, Amazon, Apple Books. And the easiest way to get to it is look it up on your website, www.com broken whistle book.com and you'll be have links there for all these retailers. You could also find me on uh, Twitter at Pedro Israel Orta. Same thing on Facebook and LinkedIn, and all of my social media sites will have a link to the book website where you can actually go in and pre-order your book.
2: Bueno, and mano Pedro, thank you for joining us, brother. Que dios te bendiga. God bless you. Good luck with the book. Good luck in your journey. A, you are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot, and I appreciate you being here with us.
4: Thank you so much, Rich. God bless you as well, and I thank you very much for this opportunity.
2: You bet. Merry Christmas. Folks, we're coming right back with your calls and more. Don't go anywhere.
1: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
7: Well, Mr. Valdez, you have one of the greatest shows
6: that radio has ever
1: had. America at Night with Rich Valdez.
2: All right, America, welcome back, familia. And I wanted to go to the calls. There was a couple of people on hold. And for whatever reason, there are some people that want to wait on hold until it's time to go on the radio. And then they hang up. Unbelievable. I don't know what to tell you. All I could tell you is what a bad investment of your own time to hang out for 25, 40, 50 minutes to get on the radio. And then when it is your moment, it's over, right? Because this is a perfect time to take a call. But lamentably, they're all gone. And of course, this makes me very upset. And you know why? Because it's my favorite thing in the world to talk into this microphone and to have someone talk back at me. I don't care what you say. That's why I always say, if you disagree, you move to the front of the list because I want to talk to people. This is a fantastic medium. I get to talk to lots of people, but I don't really get to talk to lots of people, right? I I wanna have conversations with lots of people. So um, I hope everything's all right and that you didn't jump off the phone whoever the people that were holding uh, for whatever reason, like an emergency, but I was hoping to talk to you. Now I probably won't talk to you till midnight, but either way, give us a call if you know the number. If you don't, oh well, you're gonna figure it out. Listen to the liners. All right. I'll be in a better mood when we come back. Don't go anywhere, folks. It's Rich Valdez. Hour number two coming up straight ahead.
1: Live from the city that never sleeps.
2: Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome back to the program, our number two, Tuesday night, our phone number. If you want to join our late night national town hall conversation, feel free, give me a call, 833-4825-337, valdez And uh, a couple of headlines, Trump was disqualified from a ballot in Colorado for the 2024 election. Uh, He says that he will appeal this to the Supreme Court. Now, what's interesting is that in the 200-page opinion written by the Colorado State Supreme Court, they themselves say that they are going to stay their own opinion, meaning they'll put a pause on their own opinion, if, I'll read it to you, it says, but we stay our ruling until January 4th, 2024, which is the day before the secretary of state's deadline to certify the content of the presidential primary ballot. If review is sought by the Supreme court before the stay expires, it shall remain in place. And the secretary will continue to be required to include president Trump's name on the 2024 presidential primary ballot until the receipt of any order or mandate from the Supreme court. So meaning, um, they didn't kick him off, right? They, they're suggesting, right? They want to t- take him off and should he complain about this and, uh, request a review, then they'll leave it on there and he will appear on the ballot unless otherwise, uh, ruled through something that they adjudicate. So the, the whole thing is political smoke and mirrors. In my opinion, Trump will be on that ballot. Um, you could take me up on that one. If you, if he's not call me and we could fight about it on the radio. Uh, of course we've got vice president Harris, um, on tour across the country promoting abortion. Uh, We also have James Comer, the chairman of the um, congressional committee that's looking into all the evidence against Joe Biden. And they've now released some of the evidence against Biden as they've approved uh, an impeachment inquiry into the president. And uh, there's a couple other things going on. There's an interesting story here. This is a good one. There's a reason why some Christmas songs make you cry. Christmas is strongly linked to nostalgia, which can lead to powerful emotions. Christmas songs may be written in a certain way to trigger feelings of sadness. And connecting with those negative emotions can have a positive effect on your well-being. Now, that's an interesting piece, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. But I want to kind of work through this piece with uh, Luca Pandia. He is a public speaker that um, discusses different motivational topics, including how... Micro acts of kindness can relieve seasonal affective disorder. And as we go into the holidays, whether it's triggered by Christmas music or just by the nostalgia of the holidays, sometimes people's moods are not always 100 percent. So I wanted to have this discussion with uh, Luca Pandia. Sir, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, thank you so much for having me, Rich. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, brother. I'm looking forward to talking with you because it's not every day that you meet somebody who's uh, very contagiously infected with joy, like you are.
8: <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's my mission to have everyone in the world feel as joyful as I do.
2: Outstanding. Well, tell me what you think about this this article in the Business Insider uh, dot com that. Uh, states that some Christmas songs might actually make you sad. What are your thoughts on that?
8: Yeah, absolutely. So this happens almost every year during Christmas. Um, there's a lot of emotions that are just going on in general. People are overwhelmed with lots of things to do, lots of planning, lots of emotions, uh, even kind of worry about finances and uh, just even be overwhelmed with being a little lonely. And so as we're going through life, with all this overwhelmness and busy, 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 a lot of times we don't have time to actually process our emotions, whether they're current emotions or emotions from the past. And so sometimes we'll hear a Christmas song that will take us back to our childhood or, or remind us of someone that has passed or a breakup that automatically comes back up into our mind and we start feeling those emotions. We feel that sadness or we'll feel that grief. Just like a lot of times you may hear a different song, maybe it's a love song that reminds you of something or someone else, um, or an event or a time in your life, Christmas songs can absolutely do the same thing.
2: Yeah. And you know, according to the article, and I think I agree with this and, and building on what you're saying as well, that it it brings you to this uh, place of nostalgia where, where you kind of like brought back to the good times of when you were a little kid, not the bad times of when you were a kid, but the good times. And, and I think that for many people, when you think about the good times, especially good times when you were younger, um, or even, you know, not just a little kid, just younger in general, where you had a good time in life and you didn't have to worry about as many bills and as many other things. I think that that has a a pretty calming effect on a lot of people. Would you agree?
8: Yeah, absolutely. It's huge. So when people go back to those days, I mean, when I hear Carol, the bells, I think Macaulay Culkin home alone. I think (laughs) about being around the family, his hands on his face, screaming, ah, you know, and all the games and all the gifts. And so it brings you back to that nostalgic time where, where there's a lot of play, a lot of creativity that's happening, where we weren't worrying about the bills or we weren't worrying about the stress of the life. When it takes us there, we feel that good emotion. Sometimes. uh, And I recently was on an interview where the interviewee also said, well, you know, when I go back to the past, and I've seen this with other people as well, is they kind of feel sad that they don't have that time anymore to be playing and be joyful because so much is happening in life. When I always coach people on, I was like, you can bring that into your everyday. Remember what you enjoyed as a kid and loved doing as a kid and see how you can bring that into your adult life. Do it with other people. Do it with kids that you may have. Um, but that's the beauty of the Christmas music and the Christmas times is you see joy being written everywhere. It's like, yeah, this is the time to be joyful.
2: Outstanding. Uh, look, I want you to hang on for a second. We're going to come right back. I want to, I want to find out why, uh, because you know, for, for so many people, um, a lot of people start off the morning, they have a cup of coffee and many people, they say, you know, today's going to be a great day. Other people, you know, they step off on the wrong foot every day and they're like, right. And they're already grumbling. Uh, but I'd love to know the story of, you know, whether you were just born this way, focused on joy, or whether you went through an experience that brought you closer to joy. So I want you to share that with the audience when we come back. And I'm going to give them the phone number in case they want to ask you a question. The phone number is 833-482-5337. 833-4valdez.
1: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 833- Four Valdez. That's 833 482 5337. 833 4 Valdez. That's Valdez with an S.
2: All right, so this is not one of those Christmas songs that makes me cry, as the article suggested. Again, welcome back, everybody. It's Rich Valdez. Uh, We're on with uh, Loka Pandia. Uh, He is um, a motivational speaker, oftentimes speaking about the topic of joy. And uh, the question that's presented to you, the audience today, is can little actions bring about joy? Some researchers find that micro acts can boost your well-being. And I want to talk a little bit more about that with uh, Loka Pandya. Loka, tell us a little bit about how these micro acts of kindness can bring about joy.
8: Yeah, so it's an amazing thing. A lot of people um, think that, you know, like joy will just kind of happen to them. But what's the beautiful thing about micro acts of joy is that you're actually being intentional about your joy one thing I teach all the time is the more joy you do, the more joy you become. Some of these acts are just acts of kindness. You you can pay for someone else's coffee. You could open up the door for somebody. But what I've seen the most is just making people smile, paying them a compliment, smiling somebody else. I say there's nothing more contagious than a smile out there. And that is is an act of kindness right out there. Uh, But taking time to yourself, you know, Meditating, anything that self-care is also joy out there and
2: um, just connection
8: as well, just doing more joy in your life.
2: Now, tell us a little bit about how you got into the joy hustling business, right? Because I don't think think everybody wants to be happy, but not everybody understands the whole difference between happiness and joy and and not everybody really um, makes it uh, an intentional part of their day. To focus on joy, how did it happen for you?
8: So, uh, like almost anybody out there, everyone has their own story. When I was 13 years old, uh, I woke up bright-eyed. I went to school that day. But when I got done with school, I didn't end up going home like they normally do. Um, I ended up going with the family friend, going to where I thought I was going to my father, but I ended up at the hospital only to find that my mother had passed away. And they told me it was from a heart condition, but a year later, I found out that it was actually suicide. And so I still remember that moment where, where I was so heartbroken because in my mind at that time, as a little boy, I was like, yeah, you did die of a heart condition. You died of a sad heart. And Mm. so from that moment on, I didn't want anyone ever to feel the way she did ever again. And so, I went on this journey out there um, to make people happy, but in the midst of myself, I I lost myself. And so I went on this healing journey where I went to retreats all over the world, spoke to coaches and gurus, finding true healing from that trauma. But in the middle of that, uh, that healing, I found joy. And I found the formula to joy, to how not only to experience joy, but to be a joyful person. And once I found that, I'm like, I want, like I said, everybody to feel this way. And I want to teach everyone how to get there.
2: Well, um, what's the secret? How do you focus on, on that? Uh, what's the, the secret sauce?
8: So, so the main thing, and you kind of touched upon it earlier, is being intentional about your joy every single day. And the most simplest way to put it is that is, it's a two-pronged approach. You know, as children, we're out there, we're having fun, we're being in our joy, we're playing. Life hasn't happened to us yet. We're over there just enjoying ourselves. But as life comes on, many times the world starts to tell us who we need to be. We start experiencing emotions that we don't know what to do with. But many times we, we push them deep down inside. And we go through events. We may lose somebody. We go through breakups. We may lose a job. There's things that happen to us that we just keep pushing inside of us. And so I say, it, we're kind of like this, this, this beautiful bucket. And there's different emotions that come in. Let's say joy is like yellow, but a lot of these heavier emotions like grief or anger or stress, let's call that like a, a black paint. And yeah. so a lot of times when we're going through life, we're filling this bucket with a lot of black paint and we've got some yellow in there uh, and we keep putting both in. But as we get more into like an adult form, we forget about the yellow as much. And so we say, we start looking for vacations and things like that to put more yellow in, but we still have the black in there. So the key is to start taking that black out. And the way you do that is release emotions in a very healthy way. The ways you can do that is you can talk to a therapist, or anytime you're experiencing emotion, talk to someone that you feel that can just understand you. But the biggest way you can do it is journal. And when I tell people about journalism, as soon as you have emotions coming up, you either do it at the moment, or later in the day, you write down, I'm feeling this way, or I'm feeling angry, and this is why. And At the very end, you, you ground it in gratitude. You say, hey, but you know, despite everything that's happening, I'm grateful for this. So you start clearing these emotions out that don't add more black paint to that bucket. You kind of just take it on out. On the other side, you do more joy. And so in the morning, every morning I'll meditate because it brings me joy, I get in that peaceful state, I do breath work, I dance, I sing, I'll draw sometimes, I'll call somebody up to just have a joyful conversation. So it's all about clearing this black pain out of the heavy emotions, honoring those emotions for what they are, not thinking that they're super negative emotions, that's a part of life. And the other thing is just doing more joy because now your subconscious mind says, okay, it's good to release emotions. At the same time, the more joy I do, the more joyful I become.
2: You know, it's as simple as it sounds, uh, it does sound like it's easier said than done, but it is a simple formula, right? And and as simplistic as you made it, um, that's probably how simple it had to be for me to get it, (laughs) with the reference to the black paint and the yellow paint. I think uh, for too long, uh, many of us, myself, Principally, I would say, uh, yeah, it's all about the black paint, right? It's one black paint after another. We got five gallon drums of black paint. You know, we're looking at the news, dealing with life, right? People on the road, whatever it is. And uh, ultimately, if you're not dumping that yellow paint in there yourself, no one else is going to dump it in there. Very few people will. Now, but before I let you go, something that I was thinking about was the um, something that I, I saw in the um, information that I have in front of me, this packet, and. As a kid, I loved going in the snow, but as an adult, I hate the snow. I hate the snow. I hate it when it gets cloudy. Matter of fact, I don't even like the East Coast. I like the South. I like uh, South Florida, to be to be uh, precise. And I don't know if that's seasonal affective disorder or if I just like, you know, a, a scorching sun that, you know, I could feel baking my skin, which is what I actually do like. And I love the look of palm trees and <clears throat> the, um, the water is a lot nicer in the beach in Florida than it is in the Jersey shore, for example. And I look at all that and I think is, is maybe not quite seasonal affective disorder, but should people move? Is, is that part of the, the pursuit of joy? If we don't like the weather, should we get up and go? Or is there uh, another secret sauce there? One minute to you.
8: Yeah. I, you know, um, it just by case by case situation, but I would say that joy is found within yourself. And so, um, like definitely sunlight, it, it facilitates serotonin and things like that, but it's really getting back to finding that joy within yourself. So finding your joyful routines. Um, like I said, med- I do meditation, I do breath work and I really encourage people to go back to their childhood, really look at what was it that you enjoyed doing as a child and how can you bring that to adult form? Um, and, it, and just like you said, you were out in the snow and you kind of like now being closer to the sun and things like that. So I would say, if that brings you true, true joy, it's a good idea something, uh, maybe I should move there. But if you can look within yourself and say, "You know what? I can have a joy routine, I have my connections around me, I have the people that I love with me, those that bring me the most joy." And I would say... What can you do more often in your daily routine and with the people that you have to bring you joy, to live that joyful
2: life? Outstanding. Uh, now, Loka, let everybody know how they can find you, what your website is, your social media handles. Go right ahead.
8: Yeah. So, uh, my social media, I'm on uh, Instagram where I put a lot of joy tips out there. It's at Pandya. That's L O K A P A N D Y A. And my website is lokapandya.com. Once again, it's L O K A P A N D Y A dot com.
2: Outstanding. Well, uh, Lokapandya, I want to thank you for joining us and uh, discussing joy in these, uh, these articles on uh, Christmas music and seasonal affective disorder and overall the analogy on the paint that really uh, left the mark on me. No pun intended. Loka, thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas, Rich. Thank you. You got it, brother. All right, folks, we continue our conversation on the environment, on energy, on the Biden administration, and more coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. 833-482-5337 is the number. Open Phone America starting at the top of the next hour. Don't go anywhere. All right, America. Welcome back, amigos. We continue our discussion, and something we're going to dig into now is something I think is pretty egregious. Right there's there's a report that's showing that the supply chain for E vehicles, you know Tesla and the rest, um, are powered by child labor in Chinese-owned mines all over the place. And I think we've we've heard about this in the past, but we haven't really dug into it. So I want to dig into it because there's a recent report by a group of climate experts that uncovered this forced uh, child labor in these Chinese-owned mines in the Democratic Republic of Congo which supplies over 70% of the world's cobalt for these electric vehicles. Now, uh, former Congressman Jacek Isaac, he's the founder and CEO of the American Energy Institute and a co- contributor to this new report, and he's here with us to help us discuss it. Sir, welcome.
5: Hey, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me.
2: You bet. So, what? What? Um, I guess, what role did you and your organization play in putting this um, report together and w- why'd you decide to do it?
5: Well, yeah, it's really about publishing some information and pulling information from different places uh, around the world that shows uh, multiple investigations. Uh, kind of, an author named Siddharth Kara wrote a book called Cobalt Red and he kind of uh, went into the Congo and spent years back and forth risking really his life. At one point in time, he was almost killed Uh, while he was there but he had he had approval to be there Uh, but he's probably the one that's done the most extensive documentation of what's going on and there's approximately 40,000 kids between the ages of four and 13 working in these cobalt mines in the Congo to give you an idea 40,000 is how many people work in the oil and gas industry in Texas the energy capital of the world, one of the largest producers of oil and gas in the world, 40,000 people work in this industry, something that's an industry that's keeping the lights on right now, batteries aren't doing it, but you've got 40,000 kids by comparison, working in really unsafe child slave labor, like conditions in the Congos, because of this push to do all electric, all electric vehicles, Uh, From from passenger cars all the way up to trucks, the supply chain is really infected with child slave labor.
2: I mean, this is I think we always think that these things are happening and we've heard about it in the past. But I don't think too many people have made this correlation to what's actually going on with um, the e-vehicle space. Everybody in its It's I go to the gym and and the gym I go to, there's a whole row just for e-vehicles and they're always charging. It's never empty because I think people are constantly in in need to charge these these little cars. And, you know, I just think to myself while I drive by my big gas guzzling SUV, I'm like, you know, this poor sucker, you know, he's there stuck. uh, It's almost like there's a little club, a social club. They all get out of the car. They all talk to each other because they're always stuck there. And. And and it's humorous, right? It really is. But then you start thinking about how how do they, uh, you know, people don't look that deep into this stuff. And when you look deep into it, you realize, wow, some poor little kid somewhere is getting beat over the head and, and abused. And not to get off topic here, but we're seeing it even happen in other industries where with this wide open border that we have. We keep hearing about stories about little kids, you know, young boys mainly that are working in uh, chicken factories and all sorts of factories, overnight shifts, even at McDonald's uh, that they're undocumented. They're in the country illegally. They're probably being trafficked from whatever country they're in to pay off some debt to get across the, the, the border. And it seems like nobody's putting a focus other than you on child labor. Why do you think that is?
5: Yeah, I think it's just because they see this transition to electric vehicles as the panacea to solving all of our problems as if the changing climate is a problem. It's something that we've mastered quite well over the last hundred years because of access to affordable, reliable, and dense energy, namely from fossil fuels, hydrocarbons, natural gas, coal, uh, and and nuclear as well. But we've been able to master the, the, the changing climate and weather uh, deaths are down 99% over the last 100 years. But you've just got this, these people that it's a religion, has become a religion to them that they want to control every aspect of our lives. They want to lock us down in our homes. Uh, they don't want us to travel. You, you talk about the EVs at your gym that are charging. One EV connected to the grid and charging is pulling the energy equivalent that a small re- uh, grocery store uses. Wow. You put four four on there it's the size of a walmart that's the amount of power think about all the refrigerators and freezers and all yeah. the lighting and the hvac systems in a walmart Four these are pulling that much power off the grid uh, and it's just not sustainable fortunately we have a very small percentage of them on the road today but as we put more and more really the government forcing the market to go down this path the consumers don't want it But it's just going to make our grid that much more susceptible to collapse because we don't have the electricity that we need today during peak demand times.
2: Folks, we're on with uh, former Congressman Jason Isaac. He is the CEO of the American Energy Institute, and uh, him and his group um, just contributed to this shocking report. It was also part of a Fox article that I'm looking at as well on how they're using child labor to mine cobalt to create the batteries for these EVs. And if you're saying four EVs, four of these little Teslas, because they're all the little Tesla, uh, if four of them is like a Walmart, there's two Walmarts worth in the parking lot by my gym every day, every, at every hour. I mean, it, it never empties out. And I think that's incredible. Folks, stick around. We're going to come right back and continue this conversation uh, with Jason Isaac straight ahead.
1: This is America Night with Rich Valdez.
3: Congratulations on just an amazing show. I know you've worked so hard in the industry, and nobody deserves
4: it more than you do. So I'm happy to see you really succeeding here. It's awesome.
1: America at Night with Rich Valdez.
2: All right, familia. Welcome back, amigos. We continue our conversation with the founder and CEO of the American Energy Institute, uh, former Congressman Jason Isaac. And we've been discussing a report that his organization uh, was a part of in putting out where they uh, blew the lid off of this forced child labor at these Chinese-owned mines in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which happens to supply over 70% of the world's cobalt for electric vehicles. Um, but, but there's more, right? There's a lot more going on because this is just uh, one spoke in the wheel of, of everything that they're doing, whether it's ESG, um, whether it's the the idea that we're pushing electric vehicles, not just so that they can make money off of uh, batteries, but I think there's a, a more sinister approach to it. It uh, was kind of highlighted in um, that new movie that Barack Obama was the uh, advisor on, where they stopped all the electric cars and you know caused pileups and all sorts of crazy stuff that isn't really outside of the realm of one's imagination anymore. It's not very Orwellian. It's actually coming to fruition. At least that's my thought. Uh, Jason Isaac, what say you?
5: Yeah, I I completely agree. This whole supposed energy transition is really just a transition of power away from us into China. You look at who's been funding the operations and funding the campaigns. I think uh, Congress had some reports that came out this week or last week. We've documented the report about these nonprofits getting funding from Chinese donors uh, and organizations to drive this agenda, to drive this narrative, to get us off of affordable, reliable energy and and on to this wind and solar, this intermittent parasite to our grids, wind and solar. Uh, which isn't dependable. We found this out in Texas in February 2021. Hundreds of people lost their lives because our grid has become too dependent on uh, this variable, unreliable source of generation. <clears throat> and people think that batteries are the answers. Oh, we'll just, we'll when the wind's blowing, we'll charge up batteries. Entire installed battery capacity in the U.S. would keep the lights on for two minutes in the U.S., uh, and that, that's not powering manufacturing. And the last time I checked, winter storms aren't measured in minutes, not even in Texas, where we can see 50-degree swings in one day. Uh, they're measured in days. Uh, and it's just incredibly dangerous and detrimental to our economic prosperity to go down uh, this route that we really need to embrace American energy. We need to produce more of it and get it around the world and lift the rest of the world out of poverty. Uh, and that's, that's unfortunately not what the UN's pushing. They're pushing us back into poverty.
2: Let's let's talk about giving a grade to the Biden administration um, based on what they're doing with um, their green agenda. What kind of grade would you give them?
5: (laughs) An absolute F. I mean, when you you spend seven and a half billion dollars and just last week opened the first electric vehicle charging facility in London, Ohio. They've spent seven and a half billion dollars and built one electric vehicle charging facility and no one's using it. It, It's just, that's our money. They're burning our money and wasting our money trying to drive a market and there are businesses that have their hand out and that's you know that's the mission of the American Energy Institute is to liberate American energy and we are a free market institute first and foremost and then we support American energy primarily oil gas coal and nuclear things that we need more of things that we produce more responsibly than anywhere on the planet um, that that really are the answer to ending poverty around the globe. You look at the poverty in Africa that people suffer from energy poverty and how their la- lives could be transformed just getting responsibly produced energy like we produce here in the U.S.
2: Absolutely um, troubling, honestly, very troubling. Now, if uh, what's your take on if we're able to replace this current administration and the policies that go with it? And go back to something similar to what we had in the previous administration, which I think rolled back a lot of regulation and, um, you know, believed in a lot of domestic production. Um, How quickly do you think we could get out of the problem we're in with both um, domestic production and and just, you know, moving away from this uh, transition uh, to to Biden's green plan? Um, how long would that take? Six months? Two years?
5: I, 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 five don't, years? E- I don't even think you have to have a, a new president sworn in. If the election happens and you're you're going to have a new administration, that's going to send signals to the market, and the market is going to respond even before you see an increase in production, and consumers will start saving money right away. And this is one of the things that I advocate for policies that would actually reduce the cost of energy, which would be transformative to the livelihoods of Americans and really people around the world. During the previous administration, the average American family was saving $2,500 a year compared to the prior administration. That has been completely wiped out and replaced with seventy over $7,000 in higher cost for energy. Just last year, we saw a 30% increase in people getting their electricity disconnected in the U.S., of people increase in disconnects for natural gas utilities. This is appalling. This should not be the way that it is in in the U.S., but unfortunately, that's the path that we're headed down. More people losing access to energy because of the astronomical cost. and this is something that President Obama warned us about. Prices will necessarily skyrocket. His words... And here it is, his second really administration and it's happening uh, and we're paying the price and it's incredibly detrimental to the least among us. It's detrimental to the entire country, but specifically those that pay a higher portion of their earnings towards their energy costs. They're just getting crushed.
2: Sad to say, but it's true. Uh, Folks, we're on with former Congressman Jason Isaac. He's the CEO of the American Energy Institute. And I want to uh, ask you to stand by for a moment. We're gonna take a quick pause and come back and learn a little bit about what the American Energy Institute is all about and how to keep in touch with Jason Isaac and all of the work that they're doing. Don't go anywhere.
1: This is America at night with Rich Valdez. Call now 833 833- for valdez. That's 833 482 valdez That's Valdez with an S. valdes that's 833-482-5337 833-4valdes that's valdes with an s
2: all right america welcome back we continue our conversation with jason isaac founder and ceo of the american energy institute and jason isaac you were in congress you left congress you got into this um this role as CEO of the American Energy Institute. Why did you start this organization? What was your goal?
5: Well, I found out that after doing a lot of research that trade organizations that represent energy producers, supposedly American energy producers, but some of them represent you know companies that are all over the world. They've all co-opted. They've, they've, they've all kind of bought into this ESG, this environmental social governance system. Scoring or investing, they're essentially bending the knee. I think it was Churchill said that an appeaser is someone who's feeding the crocodile, hoping they'll be the last one eaten. You know, Ronald Reagan improved upon it a little bit, basically saying they're ultimately going to get eaten. And we've got a lot of trade organizations out there that are being the appeaser. They've they've capitulated when it comes to carbon dioxide. They think that we've got to get net zero by 2050 or by some period in time which does nothing to mitigate a changing climate. When you look at the models that the UN uses, decarbonization does nothing to change the climate whatsoever. It just increases the cost of everything. CO2 in our atmosphere is 0.04%. It is a trace gas, and if we have much less of it, we're all going to die. It's just this, it's contrary to producing energy and it's contrary to human flourishing. And so, building this trade organization to represent American energy producers again, primarily oil, gas, coal, nuclear could be some geothermal or hydro in there but it's got to be companies that support free markets and want to end the marketing distorting effects of subsidies that are putting us in this trouble where we've got the Inflation Reduction Act, the so called Act dumping money into EVs. And it's, it was essentially the green new deal. Uh, and that is right. resulting in significantly higher costs and pain for all of us. And and so we look to represent, uh, those voices that support free markets and really want to just produce energy and help reduce the cost of energy.
2: And if people want to, um, learn more about what you're doing, support the work that you're doing, keep up to speed with what you got going on, how do they, um, how do they follow you? How do they check you out?
5: Yeah, you can check me out on X, you know, formerly known as Twitter, uh Isaac for Energy. You can check us out at American Energy Institute.com. Yes, I know that's a mouthful, but it's American <laughs> Energy Institute, all spelled out dot com. We're building an army of people that support American Energy, and you can click on the pledge and fill it out and, and basically say that you agree with free market principles and that you recognize that energy is the key to ending you know, poverty around the world and promote human flourishing. So we're trying to build this army of people that when the time comes, we can activate this army to let members of Congress and legislatures around the country know what responsible policy and legislation are that would promote uh, human flourishing and economic prosperity, which has resulted in incredible environmental leadership here in the United States. I love to tell people we've reduced pollution nearly 80% Over the last five decades, we've become number one when it comes to access to clean and safe drinking water. And that's something that almost four billion people on the planet don't have access to, either electricity or clean water. And energy is the solution to that problem. And that's really the crisis that we're facing today is a poverty crisis.
2: Amen. Well said. Uh, folks, check them out. Follow Jason Isaac. He's the founder and CEO of the American Energy Institute. You could follow them uh, online, of course, and you can check out their website at AmericanEnergyInstitute.com. Jason Isaac, you are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I want to thank you for being with us tonight.
5: Hey, thanks for having me on, Rich.
2: Congratulations on your success. Keep up the great uh, work. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you. And folks, we continue... With uh, Open Phone America. That's coming up straight ahead. 833 482 5337. 833 4 Valdez. Don't go anywhere. Coming right back. Hi there, good evening, and welcome. We uh, are in hour number three. Happy to be with you tonight. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And this is hour number three, open phone America. That means you get to call in 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. And uh, earlier, we started off the show uh, two hours ago. With the, uh, the big news of the day, I believe, is that the Supreme Court in the state of Colorado uh, kind of unilaterally decided that they were going to usurp the will of the people and not allow folks in Colorado to even vote for who they want for president because they were going to remove former President Trump as a candidate to be considered on the ballot. Now, of course, in this order, uh, they, they cite many things. One of the things that they cite is that Trump, um, in, in so many ways, they say that he is, I'm going to say, guilty of an insurrection, but was never charged with insurrection. Right? <laughs> he was never found guilty or convicted of insurrection. But they kind of go along with that, saying he inspired violence, this, that, and the other thing, and all, all these evil things. But they, they end with saying, so we're going to remove him from consideration as a candidate. He's not going to be on the ballot. However, if he uh, makes a formal complaint to the Supreme Court, we will initiate a review. And therefore, we are putting a stay on this very order, the order that they released today. Uh, There's a stay on it until January 5th, which is the day before that the secretary of state has to certify who goes on the ballot. And it says that if he does, in fact, complain, then they'll have no choice but to include him on the ballot anyway. (laughs) So uh, honestly, this whole thing is uh, it's fake. It's phony. It's fraud, in my opinion. Uh, But it doesn't change the fact that they're playing politics. It doesn't change the fact that they are trying to continue to interfere in the 2024 election. Four judges literally just stole the voting rights of citizens and decided for all the Americans in Colorado that Trump's not eligible to be on the ballot in their state. Obviously, this is tyranny. And that's the real attack on our republic. This is being held responsible for a crime, insurrection, that Trump was never charged with nor convicted of. And I think that's important to, to remember. And again, we've got a, a quick report from MSNBC on this. Listen to this
0: the Colorado Supreme Court um, ruling that Donald Trump has now been disqualified from being on the primary ballot for the GOP. Again, this breaking news out of Colorado. Donald Trump, as we know, um, is now was fighting to be able to be on that primary ballot. The uh, Colorado Supreme Court now issuing a 200 something page opinion that we've just got. And we're going to go back to Christy Chrissy Greenberg and Hugo Lowell.
2: Anybody, let's go back to me. And Colorado Supreme Court disqualifies Trump for 2024. This case, again, was brought by a couple of nonprofits, right? One of them called Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. They go by CREW, CREW. And another one called Free Speech for People, another group. And they're alleging that the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, uh, which was ratified back in 1868, uh, was violated by President Trump here. The problem is that the, the clause or the section, section three of the 14th Amendment that, that they're citing, what happens here is it, it talks about being disqualified from holding office. And that would make all the sense in the world, except that this does not apply to one office, right? The office of the presidency. And it applies to every other office. Being that the presidency is in its in and of itself is a branch of government right so it 's not just an offer uh, an office under the United States uh, as is referred to uh, but it is again an entire branch of government so they're they're misunderstanding this or misinterpreting it, and again that 's what the law is right it's an it's an argument over interpretations, however, I think this is um This is a stretch. And uh, they're going to end up having to keep him on the ballot, which is why they had the little fail safe in there anyway, saying that we're putting a stay on our own order just in case he complains. Right. Of course, he's going to complain. And he said as much when he was in Waterloo, Iowa earlier today, uh, out there campaigning, doing what he's got to do to become president. And here's what Trump had to say.
3: It's no wonder crooked Joe Biden and the far left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are willing to violate the U.S. constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. So. Uh, I, I have to agree with him
2: 100%. That's exactly how that went down. And you even got the president of El Salvador, Nayib Bukele. He, um, he took to Twitter to criticize uh, the United States under Biden's leadership uh, for allowing this unprecedented move to have Biden's political opponent, of, in this case Donald Trump, removed from the ballot without being convicted of any crime. That's absolutely crazy. And again, this is why I'm defending Trump the same way I defended George Santos same same principle, right? We're going to get rid of this guy without him having his due process, his day in court. Wrong. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't be treating people as if they're convicted of anything without. Uh, I think it, it's fair. You know, I mean, if I think I would hope that I would say the same thing if it was Joe El Baboso Biden, right? Like, I'm not saying get rid of Biden now without finding him guilty of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying go for the impeachment inquiry. Let's have the hearings. Let's bring in the witnesses, then we can get rid of them. But I'm not saying let's get rid of them today. I'm saying let's start the impeachment today. right? You have to be fair. Let people have their day in court. Sadly, that isn't happening for El Trompito Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States. So Colorado is one of those things that we've been talking about all night. Uh, but, of course, we have more. We have more. We talked about the importance of joy and managing one's mood as we go into the holidays and how some Christmas songs – Actually, trigger sadness or happiness. Uh, we also talked about how the EV industry, the electric vehicles uh, industry, is using child labor to mine the cobalt at these mines that are all over the world, but they're owned by China. And uh, of course, uh, there was there was plenty more uh, uh, to add to our discussions as well. The phone number eight three three four eight two five three three seven. Taking your calls all night. Don't go anywhere. all right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We continue with your calls on Open Phone America, a time-honored tradition here on this program, started by the late Larry King uh, 45 years ago, back in 1978, continued for three decades by the late great Jim Bohannon, an icon in this business, and, of course, continued by you, uh, along with me, this evening with your calls. Eight three three four 4 valdez is the phone number. And I wanted to go to, you know, the rule here is if you disagree with me, you get to go in front of everybody else, no matter how long you've been on hold, because we always want to give the dissenters an opportunity to to say what they have to say on this program. And Rich was calling us on one of those Obama phones, you know, the kind that you get when you come across the border and they just give you a free like flip phone. Anyway, it wasn't a great connection. And he was on hold. He wanted to congratulate the uh, Chicago Supreme Court for banning Trump. And he was calling. Uh, whatever I said, Colorado. Forgive me. And lamentably, Rich, my tucayo. Tucayo is the word in Spanish for somebody that has the same name as you. And my tucayo, Rich, he um, he hung up right before I wanted to go to him. So I wanted to make sure that I acknowledged him and thanked him for his call. And of course, uh, if he fixes his Obama phone and can get back to us, Rich, if you're still listening, we'd love to hear your rationale as to why you want to congratulate the court in uh, Colorado with uh, respect to banning Trump and violating the, the will of the people, right? Who needs four unelected people on a bench in the state Supreme Court to decide what every member of the voting public in Colorado can decide on their own on election day. That's what elections are all about. People making their choice just like this program. Every now and again, someone will say, you know what? I don't like you rich. You're very arrogant. You're this, you're that, whatever, whatever you want to say. That's fine. It's probably all true, but I'll say this. You have a choice. It's called the power button. It's called the radio dial. You can change it to another station. You could do what you got to do, right? I do what I do. You do what you do. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of Liberty. And that's what we need to stand up for. And lamentably the Colorado state Supreme court stood for tyranny today. Anyway, we continue. Let's go to your calls. I want to go to Alex Brooklyn, New York. He's uh, listening online WFAS, our flagship out of New York. Alex, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez.
6: Hey Rich. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I think that what the Democrats are doing here is, you know, they know that Trump's poll numbers are going to go up here and everybody knows that the Supreme court is going to overrule this thing of taking Trump off the ballot. Mm -hmm. And so if they know that, I mean, the the judge knows that the the Supreme court is going to overturn this. So there's, there's a reason why they're still gonna, they still did this to Trump because I think we're going to see the poll numbers going up even higher and Trump is still going to be the nominee. But in the general election, Right that they want Trump to be the nominee, and that's what I think is that's player. It's not that they're you know people they're playing a lot of Republican voters who are saying hey they're they're showing that Trump is a threat, no, they're showing that Trump is the least a threat. I mean if he becomes president then that's the worst for them, but in terms of being able to win the general election, Nikki Haley would do a better job pretty much anybody. Simply because the Democratic voters hate President Trump so much. And so people, I think, just need to think about the fact that they're doing everything in their power to make him the Republican nominee, because whatever they've done so far backfired. His poll numbers have only gone higher and higher and higher, and made the likability of him being the nominee, you know way more. And, and the Democrats are, are evil. you know they're not good people and the politicians, but they're not stupid. And they know what they're doing here.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, if if we pull on that thread, I think there's a lot of support from the establishment. I mean, it's not like the entire the Republican Party is somewhat divided, and the, the establishment there, the 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 let's call them the Bush wing, they um, they're happy to go with uh, Chris Christie or Ron DeSantis or or a lot of people, and they I think they didn't like Ron DeSantis because he sounded too much like Trump. His conservative uh, um, policies were just too conservative and it didn't work out well for them. So I think they decided, all right, we're not going to mess with Ron DeSantis. Um, So it became really a a question of, you know, who else do we have? And I think they've made their deal with Nikki Haley. And I think they also think if we're going to go against uh, the left, let's play the left's game. If we say we have a woman of color then hey, we've got a woman of color. Who do you got? You got an old white man. Right? So they're trying to play the game that the left plays. I don't know if that works, right? I, I just don't know if it works. I don't think you can um outsmart them at their own game. So I think ultimately the um the hate Trump first crowd, if you will, to take a page from Levin's playbook, the th- this group of people, they will they'll do what they can to win, but at the end of the day, they're the Lincoln project, right? They're MSNBC and CNN contributors—they're—they're they're not the majority. They're not the Trump train, if you will. And it's really, I think, that movement—the Tea Party Patriots, the the, the MAGA movement, uh, the disaffected Democrats that are on board with you know with the opposition—that these are the people that are making the difference, that are moving the agenda forward uh, for for Trump, for MAGA, for the Tea Party, and have been for for decades, uh, or at least the last you know couple of decades. So. I think uh, while there are some Democrats that will do whatever they can to get Trump elected, I think by and large, the the majority of this group, um, they're really trying to stop Trump. They're really trying to get him disqualified. They're really trying to get the people to sour on him by saying, look, he's been thrown off this many ballots. He's facing, um, you know, he's had two impeachments. He's facing four uh, indictments in court, 91 federal charges, 400 years in jail, um, you know, how could you vote for such a man like this? And I really think that's part of their um, their their angle here, because um, I think if they knew or they felt like, oh, we can absolutely beat Trump, then there there wouldn't be any issues. Um, there wouldn't be any promoting of Gavin Newsom. There wouldn't be uh, any nervousness. There wouldn't be poll after poll saying that Joe Biden is not up to it anymore. Clearly, there's a faction within the Democrats uh, that are saying no. We don't want to take the risk. We need this to be a guaranteed win, and I don't think they see a guaranteed win in Biden, so they're nervous. Anyway, that's my thought on that. Uh, Alex, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Hope you had a good Hanukkah. And uh, let's see where do we go from here? <clears throat> I wanted to go. There was somebody that had a, a good good comment here. There's a lot of good comments here. And uh, let's see what do we have? That's too short timing. Maybe I maybe I wait. Well, this one might be Frank Evergreen Montana K O F I Frank. Go right ahead.
7: Hi, Rich. Hey, hey I Frank. To talk about cobalt. Hey. Sure. Did you hear me? Yeah, yeah I got cobalt. you. Cobalt. It's found in the Earth's crust, and you're, you're going to find it in places like Iceland with all about volcanic activity. And it's a it's a great alloy um, when used to make like aero for space, uh, for thrusters, for jets, etc. Also, in prosthetic uh, arms for uh, for people who have had their injuries and stuff, artificial limbs, and they withstand the heat. Astronauts can use this material, but it's it's found in the same layers of nickel and iron in the mm-hmm. Earth's core, and it's a. You don't always need children to find this in the old mining tailings and like in South Africa or or South America. But it's it's there. I suppose we can get um, northern Canadians to children to go out there with their, with their buckets. <laughs> well, well, I with don't things. think
2: that they're using children because they need to use children. I think they're using children because they work cheaper. It's cheap slave labor and uh, they don't complain as much. But I think you bring up a good point there, and you know your point about nickel, same thing. Um, you know these batteries, the lithium-ion, nickel-cadmium, uh, they, they, they these have been the minerals and elements that um, and metals that they've used forever in making rechargeable batteries. I think the <clears throat> the most effective has been cobalt, at least from what I've seen thus far. But y- you never know. I think you're onto something. they they're gonna mine everything they can until there's nothing left and it's probably going to take a long time to get there so I don't think that's going to be the end of the world that we've mined all of the cobalt out of the out of the ground. Uh, I think we'll probably see the end of the world a lot sooner if we just leave Joe Biden in office. Anyway Frank in Evergreen, Montana KOFI thanks for the call. Merry Christmas to you sir. Folks we come back with your calls and more open phone America right here with me Rich Valdez don't go anywhere.
1: Two, five, three, three, seven, eight, three, three, four Valdez. That's Valdez with an S.
7: Well, this is one Democrat who believes this is going to hurt Democrats and certainly hurt democracy. Um, you know, Donald Trump has not been convicted
5: of anything, and to kick him off the ballot uh, preemptively is to me anti-democratic and against the interests of the Democratic Party. Uh, Donald Trump has a lot of negatives, but to
7: throw him off the ballot based on allegations which have not been fully vetted in a court of law with appeals is to me contrary to everything our country stands for. And I'm I'm a Biden supporter. I would vote for Joe Biden tomorrow, but I would tell Joe Biden that he should press the Supreme Court to get Donald Trump back on the Colorado ballot, indeed on every ballot.
9: All
2: right that's uh Democrat strategist Doug Schoen, and he says, well, you heard what he said. He says what I'm saying. We agree on something, that this is absolute crazy talk. It's crazy town. Uh, I don't understand how this happens, but let's go to my buddy Matt, WTKF, near Moorhead City, North Carolina. Matt, go right ahead.
3: Hello,
7: Rich. Great show as usual. And you, um, you, have a wonderful, professional call screener lady. I want to tell oh, you that. Oh, she's
2: terrific. Jessica Curtis.
7: Yes, she is. And um, I'd like your guest tonight, especially the man spreading uh, joy and Mr. Isaac. And uh, Colorado is retarded because they're going to lose, as is your caller, who approved of them throwing off Trump, trying to throw Trump off the Colorado ballot. Now, North Carolina tried that, Rich, and they quashed it. I don't know if you knew yeah. that.
2: Right. No, I didn't. A bunch of states have tried it. And I think they've all decided— it's absolute insanity, right? This guy has never been charged with—well, uh, he's never been convicted of any of, of these silly charges. And until you can say the guy's a criminal and this and that, and even then, uh, I mean, it, it's got to be the will of the people, I, I believe. But they they want to hold on to these these old rules, this 14th Amendment rule that doesn't apply to to the presidency. So, it, to me, the whole thing is an exercise in futility. It's, it's silly. Uh, it's just designed to grab a headline to— to, it's smoke and mirrors, and um, it's unfortunate. But, Matt, thank you, brother. I always appreciate hearing from you. You're you're one of the faithful out there. If I don't talk to you again, have a very Merry Christmas, you and your family. Let us continue here. Where do I want to go? Here, I want to go to... Uh, uh, what happened to the guy in... Uh, uh, did he hang up? Did I lose him? Shoot. Everybody, I want to go... No, here he is. Tim, right? Tim in Sharon, Pennsylvania w-t-i-c tim go right ahead
7: yeah uh
6: rich we're talking about the same subject but what i'm wondering about is what happened uh with the pennsylvania supreme court in the last election with trump the pennsylvania supreme court kind of overruled our legislature because they enacted new roles that weren't that like we never had before. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why Trump lost the state
7: of Pennsylvania.
2: You're 100 percent right. Uh, so this is and this I think this one's ongoing. Right. I know one of the attorneys that's on one of many lawsuits that are still pending there. And and there's multiple um, prongs, if you will, on these lawsuits. So on some of them, they've won on others they haven't. Um, a big part of this was repealing Act 77, which I think they did temporarily, and then it got reversed. So they've got to go back to the drawing board. But ultimately, uh, what you said was accurate. There, the debate comes to who, who determines the time, place, and manner of elections. And again, the Constitution, the federal Constitution says that it is the state legislatures. Um, the 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 arguments that we've seen as of late are over whether a state Supreme Court has more sway than the state legislature, which is, you know, named in the Constitution. And I think there was a Supreme Court case on that, like, in the last two or three months. And I think they sided with, um, honestly, with the state Supreme Court. I, I got to refresh my memory on that one. But uh, my reading of it, as I understand it, it's the state legislatures. And you can't just have a bunch of, again, of of jurists that are not elected by the people, but in Pennsylvania they are, that will go ahead and, and just recreate the rules that are, are designed for people to vote on. And while these you know five uh, people in, in Pennsylvania decided to change election law uh, based on them, right, based on their unilateral uh, decision to do it, it doesn't make it any uh, more fair that the people didn't have a chance to weigh in when it's an election that's supposed to be the, we, the people weighing in. Right. So I, I think you're a hundred percent right there. And it, it's a shame what happened in 2020 with, with Pennsylvania. My hope is that these many lawsuits, uh, several of them have been, have been, um, heard, on uh, and, and there's still a few more to go. The good news, if any, is the, uh, Some of these cases were brought immediately, uh, like during and right after the 2020 election, and some of them were shot down. And then they were brought again without naming Trump as, um, as, you know, the plaintiff, but more so just being brought on behalf of the people, same arguments, and they were heard. So it was just interesting to see how the courts wouldn't hear these cases when Trump was the defendant, but would hear the same exact case as long as Trump wasn't the defendant. And, uh, again, that's remarkable in and of itself. But that's what's going on there. So, yeah, great, great point, Tim. Uh, I appreciate it. Nice to hear from you on WTIC in Sharon, Pennsylvania. Uh, We will continue. Let's see. Where do we go here? Let's go to uh, Saratoga, New York, WGDJ. Check in with our friend Jane. Jane, go right ahead
10: um i i think everybody needs to stop getting so upset about this you know what's interesting when people act like that and what they're doing it's because they're scared to death and and let's face it trump scares the heck out of them and they know they can't get the best of him and they are grasping at straws it's almost it's almost humorous i and i have to I, give credit to Vivek um, Ram- Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. His comment was very admirable. I really thought what he said was cool. He said, all right, they're going to take him out, then I'm going to pull out also. And if they all stood together like that, these crazies would probably go and drive off of a cliff somewhere. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> they're, they're being ridiculous. They really are, and the harder they fight, the better trump looks and that's that's true, and you I'm worried about you you're <laughs> this time of year can really really get people down and um what you have to do do you ever keep journals do you ever write down your thoughts at the end of the
2: day well I write down my thoughts every day to do the show <laughs> but in terms you know, I, Joe Biden is a blank 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 no I, I actually I don't I probably should start journaling it's part of my um, 2024 resolutions to do a better job at um, self-care and you know becoming more one with myself and uh, all of that stuff because I think that's important. But I, I don't worry about myself just yet. I think I'm in pretty good shape. I've been spending a lot more time in the gym and uh, that's been helpful where I'm not losing my head as much. And, and, uh, and I haven't been driving as much. I try to drive a little bit less. I've been taking a lot more Ubers. That way I don't have to deal with people in holiday traffic because that drives me nuts too. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I've got a whole new outlook on life where I'm embracing uncertainty and practicing mindfulness, Jane. So that uh, I, I, you know, I, I pause and I think and even uh, maybe a, a second of meditation and breath work before I uh, before I curse somebody out in Spanish, if you will.
10: Cause, yeah, you know, because at the end of each day, if you just write down a brief thought and you compare it the next day and think, okay, I'm going to do better than this. I'm not going to let this be my day today. Let me see what I can do to be more positive. And that that will help you because I know this time of year can be rough. You know what? You know what happened to me?
9: Mm.
10: Uh, my daughter um, married into a Cherry Hill, New Jersey mafia family, and uh, <laughs> that's Philly. That her mother-in-law, the first time she met me, hugged me and she said, "I will never like you because I hate skinny women." And now. <laughs> Now that my husband is past, I got a call the other day and she said, I just want you to know you're not welcome for Christmas. Oh and my um, goodness, if Jane, you, you, if you come here, it will not go well for you.
2: You've got, you've said, got, you know, you've got more drama than I got going on, Jane. Oh, I wish you the best. I hope it works out. And I hope that you figure things out with your family for Christmas. And, um, for me, things will go a lot better for me when, Joe Biden's not in office, right? And I think we'll be doing a lot better as a country. Jane, thank you so much for your thoughtfulness. And a big shout out to everybody listening in Saratoga County on WGDJ. Folks, keep it locked right here. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
1: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4VALDEZ. That's 833 482 5337 833 4Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. That's Valdez with an S.
2: All right, America. Welcome back. We continue with your calls. Uh, I see we got calls from Bedford, Indiana, Lansing, Michigan, Zanesville, Ohio, Boise, Idaho, and uh, more coming in as we speak. Let's uh let's see, where do I want to go? I wanted to go to Paul, Zanesville, Ohio, W H I Z. Go right ahead, Paul.
6: Hey, Felice Navidad, Rich. Felice um,
2: Navidad, Paul. How are you, my man?
6: Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, and I like your um, uh, musical format going into holidays there. That's just, I love Christmas music, so Me it too. sounds really good. Um, Thank you, brother. Yeah, um, so, oh, yeah. Now, I, I kind of have a question here. I'm not the brass bulb in the pack when it comes to what's happening with Trump and everything. But, you know, isn't it against the Constitution, you know, for what they're doing to him? I mean, um, isn't there somebody that can oversee this court? Is it the Supreme Court that oversees these guys and says, hey, wait a minute, you're doing something wrong. And I agree with your one of your callers there that said this will help Donald Trump, in my opinion. And I wanted to tell Jane, don't go. (laughs) Don't go. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Don't (laughs) go, Jane. Stay home.
2: (laughs) Find yourself a good uh, noche buena party somewhere else and and, uh, enjoy some pernil with arroz con habichuela. Yeah, I agree. She so you could have some great Puerto Rican food somewhere and uh, forget about the, the Cherry Hill gangsters. But you know what, um, Paul, to get back to what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. The United States Supreme Court. That's who's going to decide this, who's going to say that this is absolutely crazy town and that uh, they can't do it. But I don't think it's even going to get that far because I think Trump will, will seek relief and ask for them to weigh in on this. And maybe they will. Uh, so that, you know, he doesn't have to go through it in every single state once it's you know the Supreme Court says, come on, cut it out, guys. This guy's allowed to run for office and blah, blah, blah. And it, this does not violate the 14th uh, Amendment uh, the way you think it is. And then it's over. So hopefully they will. But the, the fact that they put in um, a stipulation in the ruling that they put out today that said that they um, will stay their own order meaning pause, they're going to pause their own order, uh, to me signals that they just wanted to say this, they wanted to generate these headlines going into Christmas to dominate Christmas dinners so that people are like, hey, could you pass the um, the turkey? Could you pass the hamon? Could you pass the pernil, uh, the big ham and the roasted pork shoulder, or whatever it is you're asking to be passed across the table. And so that dinner conversation, um, whether like me, we celebrate Noche Buena, the Christmas Eve celebration, Or if you're celebrating Christmas Day, either way, you're talking about what El Trompito did. And did you know he got kicked off the ballot? They say he violated the 14th Amendment. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that they're trying to sway public opinion. I mean, this, to me, sounds so much like what Dr. Nels was talking about on last night's show, about how they could put out whatever narrative they want once they believe that they've made the populace at large more malleable through these... um, Neurodegenerative effects of uh, vaccines. I mean, it was just—it was a very, very interesting um, interview that we did with Dr. Michael Nels last night. If you missed it, check it out at America at uh, Rich Valdes night dot com. Rich Valdes night dot com. Uh, really, really was a fascinating, fascinating conversation. Anyway, we uh, continue with your calls and more straight ahead in the speed round. Don't go anywhere.
1: This is America. At- night with Rich Valdez voted best head of hair in live late night radio six years in a row it's Rich Valdez
2: All right. You know what else I was just voted? Uh, Best Hispanic radio host in New York City by Metropolitan Magazine. I want to thank them for the honor. Um, There's a couple of photos from the um, ceremony where they kind of surprised me with that. I was there supporting a friend of mine who had the cover of that that month's magazine. And uh, next thing you know, they said, hey, by the way. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Thanks. (laughs) It was pretty funny. Anyway, I want to continue with your calls. Let's go to, uh, let's see, Diane WGN Chicago. Go right ahead quickly.
1: Hi, Rich, and um, I congratulations on that award or whatever. Thank um, you. And, and I wanted to say that the Colorado—I just heard about that—and I thought that's such arrogance because apparently they wrote that he um, they, the quote was
10: supposedly that any anybody who seeks to destroy the government cannot
1: represent the government. Well, that's totally you know false, outrageous because Trump, if anything, was trying to correct the government and that's what we're allowed to do you know the people are anybody running is sure. allowed to but he wasn't intentionally in any way destroying you know but they've done that for seven years you know with him but anyway that was my two cents worth
2: well I think you're hundred percent right uh, this is one of those things where you know it's funny how these charges were never brought against Hillary Clinton or against Stacey Abrams or against um, who's the other there was, uh, the other guy that was really a uh, prominent In uh, in back in uh, when Bush ran, he was all over. Anyway, point is, there's been a ton of Democrats that have taken exception to this. And uh, nobody, nobody, nobody's getting thrown off a ballot. Nobody's getting in trouble. Nobody's anything because, you know, you're allowed to do that type of thing. Diane, great point. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, Big shout out to WGN. Let us go to Lisa. Lisa's calling on KMA uh, Mountain City, Missouri. Go right ahead.
10: Hi. I started to call you Jimbo, but <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> sorry, an Rich. Honor. Uh, I have a joke for you. Okay. As we know, the running of the bulls is a famous sport in Spain. Oh, yeah. But you know what a famous sport in Colorado is? Have you ever What's eaten that? Rocky Mountain oysters?
2: <laughs> I have not, but I know what they are.
10: Okay. Well, I'm hungry for a late night snack, and I've got a bowl of them before me, so I'm going to indulge. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm gonna> indulge. <laughs>
2: that is funny. Oh boy, Lisa. Yeah, Rocky Mountain oysters. Yeah, the first time I heard that, I was like, "They have oysters in the Rocky Mountains?" <laughs> I was really taken uh, by surprise by that one. Thank you, Lisa, for the call. Merry Christmas. I appreciate it. Great joke, by the way. Uh, let's see. Yep, we got it. We got uh, minutes to go and a few more people to get through. Let's go to Sarah, Bedford, Indiana. Go right ahead.
10: Hey, great call screener. Real quick, uh, this is ominous that they're going to make it to where you can't vote for Trump even you want to, hence kicking him off the ballot. Another
9: Mm -hmm. thing is,
10: I heard a commentator on NPR say that the rightward shift, the Trump phenomenon in the Republican Party, was akin to a dying star that goes into a supernova phase, right before it fades. And then they ask him, well, what happens after the supernova phase? Well, they'll have to reconsider their positions in order to stay politically relevant, to changing America. So I personally think they're going to try to do everything, keep Trump from winning so nothing gets yeah. started. And then they're counting on successive generations being more and more liberal, and the Republican Party having become more liberal as a result. Thank you.
2: I th- really well put, Sarah. I, you should probably teach a course on that. You sound like a professor. Uh, that was really, really well put. And and I think you're probably right. Um, this is how they do it, right? And, and that's why they, it's called incrementalism. And this is why they take the approach they take. Every Every time you just inch a little bit closer towards, you know, opening the Overton window a little bit more and pushing the envelope just a little bit more. And before you know it, You'll have entire swaths of people saying, you know, we hate this country. This country's horrible. I can't believe that I'm a part of this country. You know, and again, I'm not saying to have blind faith in, in loving your country. If they did something wrong, if something wrong, call it out. But you, you should love your country, right? You shouldn't hate the country you're in. Anyway, folks, hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care. Good night. And God bless you, America. I am Rich Valdez. We'll do it all again tomorrow if uh, God allows it. Take care.
5: John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Tylus and Callaway and blah blah, 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 How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can <laughs> <laughs> you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> Those Weekend Golf Guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen.